What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 327, broken up into two parts, A and B. Thank you, gentlemen. 327A, posting on 425, will be a discussion on The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe and or John Goodman, depending on how you look at that. And 327B, posting on 428, will be a discussion on the Netflix film Murder Mystery 2 with Adam Sandler. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. Joining me as does every week is my co-host, Roger Stillian, and our perma guest, Chris Bond. Gentlemen, how are we today? Hello. You forgot to say the illustrious Christopher Bond. But the I illustrious Christopher Bond. I mispronounced right. illustrious. Illustrious <laughs> Christopher Bond. How are we today, gentlemen? It's like 40 degrees again. This is bullshit. It's cold no, again. I still- I heard a few days ago it was 90, and now it's down to 40 again. What is going on? It was legitimately 85, and then (laughs) it's 41 degrees right now. What is going on? Any any snow to report yet? Nope. I'm very curious. It's been a while that you did, like, that Ohio didn't get, like, a a roaring, like, springtime snow, one last one. Wouldn't that be funny if it dumped it in, like... April or like the end of April or beginning of May. This is, dude, we're, this is the end of April. <laughs> I know. Is this already? We're already at the end. Of, it's just man. It's just time is flying by. Time exactly. is flying by. Mm-hmm. What else is going on, Chris? How are your? Uh, how's your daughter's doing? Is, is she dominating in the softball league? My daughters are doing okay. Uh, dominating the softball league is not the case, but um, she did score the only <laughs> run in her first game, so that was there you good. Go. MVP, MVP, MVP. Uh, you gotta win for MVP. That's not entirely true. <laughs> not entirely true at all, my friend. Not entirely true. I mean, does it help? Yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm sure her contract is pretty barren at this point. Her so. contract. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the, the four schools that we turned down for this one, we're, we're really disappointed about the rest of the cl- about the rest of the club's performance. We're, uh, yeah, we're, right, we're, right. we're renegotiating as we speak. There you go. There you yeah, go. I mean, why wouldn't you? You have to, I think. Yeah, no. I, I mean, yeah. it's just How business. Goes- how goes the uh, the double grill situation? Um, good. I actually made a bunch of hibachi stuff on my grill with like you know like a Japanese restaurant. Um, every all the protein, all the meat turned out really really good. The rice uh, needs a little bit of work, so I'll uh, I'll get better at that. You'll get um, it. So, uh, well, I wanted to thank you real quick because when you talked about the uh, the double grill situation, and then mm-hmm. my wife because she listens to the show, she she has you know now that Roger has a double grill, do you want one too? <laughs> Went, Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Remember, thanks. You get I, the cheap one as a side grill, you know, for mm-hmm, roasting mm-hmm. and stuff, and then you get a get a nice flat top, and life's all, good. All I'm saying is Father's Day is around the corner, so thank you. Yeah, you know, peak suburban dad. That's that's really really peak all you want. <laughs> peak suburban dad. PSB. Uh, big Very news nice. in my house. Um, oh. We have a functional fish tank. I had a, I've had a, I got a tank a couple of weeks ago, and been getting it prepped up, and went and bought some fish yesterday. So okay. That was good. I have to ask, are you doing, so is this the family fish tank or is this like the, the fish tank, the family gets to look at, but you're like, you're going to do the whole like aquarium dad thing. Like what's happening here. See, I won't really do aquarium dad, but I had, I had fish tanks off and on growing up. So it's not my first rodeo with a fish tank. Uh, However, I, I do believe sadly I have to report after just 24 hours, four of the same type of one fish have all died. Four casualties. Um, yeah, so here's the thing though when we were when we were at the place where we got them from, mm-hmm. there was a couple of them that their their tanks were in quarantine. Okay. Saying that they 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 thought that they had like caught a bug or something which I don't, you know, I don't really entirely mean 
and know what that means when it comes to fish but all of that same because you know you try to buy four or five of the same type so they're you know happy together and um they've all unfortunately passed away so yeah i don't know so here's the thing they have a 14 day refund okay (laughs) so i will be trudging some corpses back up to the uh, pet store probably tomorrow I expect I, I expect this kind of behavior from Grayson. I, I expect him to walk in and buy defective fish. But man, that's that's tough. you know. Though I was actually really disappointed because when I when I saw one last night, I was like, oh man, you know, like that's that's not cool because like everybody else is like thriving, like they're just having a fucking time of their life. This yeah, little yeah. guy is bobbing up there, and then again throughout Bob. the rest, yeah, you know, he's just he he just ain't got it anymore. He he dead, bro. <laughs> was uh yeah. w- w- was your daughter bummed out about it? She doesn't care one bit. Okay, she walks I, over, looks well, at I mean, him. yeah. I get you. So I mean, th- th- that's good though, because like yeah. it, it, some some things like that can mess with kid, like some kids. So it, it's it's cool that she's just like, oh, all right, cool, and then like you know, it, is, is is cool with it. My oldest, more, would, my oldest would have a got would have an absolute breakdown and would cry for days about the fish that she had for twelve hours dying. You know what I mean? Nice, so terrible. Yeah. Um, on a on a other different note, uh, my cat doesn't give a shit about this fish tank no. like because you know sometimes cats are like all oh, like they're like mesmerized by it yeah yeah, yeah. doesn't even acknowledge its existence <laughs> that was my next question what does buttons well, think about this so I, I think it's because listen i had the tank up and running for like a week before we got fished to make sure the water's conditioned like doing mm-hmm. the right yeah, thing yeah. because I, i'm semi-knowledgeable on what to do there no she don't care you're like whatever bro all right there's fish here now too cool until you, go, I mean, until you wake, you guys all wake up one day and all the fish are on the floor. It's just an open buffet on on, on a day. Buttons is hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, sure, sure, that's fair. She's that, well fed. That could happen. That could definitely. She's happen. an old lady. So we did a calculation. My cat, in like human years, is almost eighty years old now because she's like sixteen. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I got two old. I got two old dogs at this point too. I get it. Yeah. Oh well, animals, man. Is what it is. Oh, man, animals passing though when they're when they're like when they've been part of the family for so long that's it's gonna be rough man one of them one of them i'm i'm gonna cry like a bitch 100 percent. not the other one no not the other one the other, the other one's an asshole oh, okay. you'd be like yeah you had it fucking coming yeah <laughs> what did you what did you eat that did this to you is, is yeah, what's gonna be stupid. the question <laughs> oh my goodness all right fair enough Listen, no, hold, animals... hold, hold on hold on this, this is what i'm talking about we'll, I'll, we'll hit this real quick and we'll move on but uh, when I got this dog, not three months into its into its life, it ran into the backyard, grabbed a whole ass live robin, and swallowed it whole. I had to <laughs> stick my arm down its throat to pull out half of the robin. Oh, this my. dog, she's well, even that would have been a good segue for this movie we're going to talk about. That's here actually, oh, you're right. Yeah, damn you're right. I'll save the rotisserie story for later. Then <laughs> it, was, it still works. <laughs> no, so my mom uh, always has huskies, and she has a. One time she had a show. She had a Malamute. Like he, this is a huge like sled dog type like bred to survive in like some of the coldest yep. atmospheres we we have on the mm-hmm. planet, and this one day and she was just I think the name was if I remember right Mika was just out there having a you know gale Very time out, name, by yeah way. out just having a gale yeah. time out, out in the snow loving it and these birds are flying back and forth between the bird feeders and like Mika I just see Mika's head like going back like watching the birds I was like I thought to myself she's just enjoying watching the birds like no she was studying tracking and then like <laughs> they, they flew by and she just oh, reached up and just took one right in her mouth and that was and then she looked at me like what <laughs> fucking right, say man. something <laughs> stop me bitch <laughs> yeah that was it like that was i was just like mortified mm-hmm. 
I think I was still in high school when that happened. I was like, what in the world just happened? I didn't know dogs. And you realize even in your own home, you weren't at the top of the food chain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that dog was massive, huge. It it obeyed mom, but nobody else. So so that's a good segue to videos that I got down a rabbit hole of animals eating other animals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched today. (laughs) So obviously, I've watched many, many times to my own hilarity the video of a horse eating a chicken. Right, Chris, actually, I know you've seen that one. It's actually gold, yes, 100%. Yeah, it's some of the funniest shit you ever see, right? But then, you know, I was gifted. I, I know I sent you guys the video of the cow falling off the roof, right? Yep. <laughs> right, right. Wasn't that shit hysterical? It's yes. The best thing I've seen in a while, yes. Yeah, no, it's great. But so then I found another video of a cow in Australia on video. Like this snake tried to attack it. The cow steps on the snake and then ate it. Like it just bent down and ate it like a spaghetti noodle, basically. <laughs> I was what? like, "Whoa, cows are awesome!" What? In yeah. The so, world? if you want fun thing? video, dude, look. Listen, Reddit is the best and worst of the internet. So, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, though. I mean, I that's weird. I watched. I did the opposite. I was this morning. I was in like because I didn't want to get out of bed yet. I was watching these videos of like animals helping animals and animals being helped by humans. And it's like that that stuff made me some of it was so sad it made me cry. But it was all like yeah. endearing. And you're imagine you're, that cow stomping on you and then slowly eating you. And then slurping you up like a spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Like, then I didn't understand how the food pyramid worked in the cow world. So <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what better segue to a movie podcast episode? Perfect. Yeah. This is Episode 327 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers, and movies of the week. Chris, you'll be happy to know, as we told you going into recording, number one, Super Mario Brothers movie. Still? Heck yeah. Still. Making another Keep in mind, this is the third week. It's been out wider, like the widest release. 58.2. Third week. I know. <laughs> Almost another 60 million domestic. Bringing its worldwide total to $871.8 million. Yes. Almost you know, that, you know what that's tracking for, right? What is that tracking for? Baconators into my belly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, actually, legitimately, as it stands right now, with Japan getting released this week, mm-hmm. If things continue just even on their mildest estimates, we will be talking about a billion dollars before on or before May first for worldwide. And it's a and it's a video game film, everybody. Hell yeah. Yeah. Listen, I mean, we said if any we said if anyone was gonna do it, it was gonna be Mario, right? Yeah, so, of, of, of course, of course. But uh, yeah, that's that's still going very strong. You should be very happy about that. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. I am. I, we should all be. Anyone that wants video game moves to be a thing. You know, this is this is the one that had to had to hit this hard, and it absolutely did. So this is going to loosen up, you know, some of the worry that a lot of these companies have about, you know, well, can it be successful? It it is now proof of concept that it can be successful if you have the right teams working on this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Between it and Last of Us, like they've they've hit a they've hit two home runs here in short succession. So this should now be a little more open to like some of the 
other awesome stories that exist out there already that can come to the big screen. There are so many great stories in the video game world that have yet there to be even touched by cinema, but yep. I'm sure we'll get there over time. Evil Dead Rise, number two, 23.5 million domestic, bringing us worldwide to 40.3. Very respectable number. It's a, for a good number. It's a good number. It's a good number for a movie that was supposed to be only on um, HBO Max. Yeah, it's right? Bu- yeah, its budget was only like $10 million or something, yep. I think I read. It's, it's a win. It's doing very well for itself right right now. Number three, The Covenant, six point three million, bringing in a total of six point three million. <laughs> That's uh, number one on my list. We'll be watching that one for next week. I'm actually very excited about that. John you Wick, bar- you, you picked the barn burner, my friend. I did, I did. Number four, John Wick, Chapter Four, still doing very well. Another five point eight million, bringing us worldwide three hundred and fifty eight million. That is not bad. No. <laughs> Actually, it must have just skyrocketed another because it wasn't even 300 last week. I was in it. Yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure I thought it was, was knocking on the door. I didn't think it I thought it was like the end of the 200 something, but uh, that's no, good. good no for way me. it did 60 more million domestically. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Not domestic. No. All the, the number I give you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. 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 Okay. And Dungeons and Dragons still holding on to that number five spot. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, another five point four million domestic with a worldwide of one hundred and seventy seven point nine. That's I a decent pool. Yeah. I never would have thought that movie would have done as well as that movie has done. So, well, so I think that movie is probably getting word of mouth, legitimately. Mm-hmm. Like, where oh, it's, yeah. remember how how I lovingly described it as the most okayest of okay movies. <laughs> yep. So. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where it ha- has a built-in fan base. It's it's kind of like you know certain like crowds for other movies that come out. It has a built-in fan base already that wants it to be good, and then you know once some of them see it, they'll tell their other friends within that fan base, "Hey, it's actually pretty good. You should go see it." So it's just it's got good legs on it for what it already has built into it. You know, just to begin with. At least that's what I, I think. I, I I agree. I'm six through ten. Air the Pope's Exorcist. Renfield, Bo is Afraid, and Suzumi, all in that order. So those movies didn't do so well. But all right, gentlemen, switching gears a little bit. Let's look at what's coming out very soon. And oh, got got to get it up for a second, don't don't I? I mean, that's usually how it goes. That's what she said as well. Hey yo, we are marks explicit. Thank thank goodness. <laughs> You, you should have booed him. <laughs> I've learned that does nothing. So it does. It does something for me. Fair. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, sure. It does something for morale, I guess. All right. This past Friday, April twenty first, brought up Bo's Afraid went wider. Chevalier, The Covenant, Evil Dead Rise, and To Catch a Killer. Oh, The Catch a Killer didn't even chart. <clears throat> oh no! Wow. That's and it wasn't even the top ten. Was that even theatrical? Or was that on a streaming? That may have been on a streaming service. Maybe. April 28th. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Big George Foreman. Grayson's super pumped for that. Mm-hmm. The Black Demon. Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney+. Plus. Sisu in Star Wars. Revenge of the Jedi gets a re-release for that weekend. That's exciting. So Sisu for that week, huh? huh? Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, fuck well, yeah. Pan, Pan and Wendy's going to be the streaming, so. Mm, I don't know about all that. You don't think so? All I right. like the Power Rangers. That's where it should be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. May 5th, starting off with a bang. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, and Love Again. May 12th, Book Club, next chapter. Fool's Paradise, Knights of the Zodiac. Again, one a movie that Chris is really looking forward to. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. We're doing that one. Rally Road Racers and Hypnotic. Well, I what mean, if it... What is Rally Road Racers? It looks to be a very low-budget kid <sighs> movie. 
Yeah, it's it's either going to be Knights of the Zodiac, I guess, or Hypnotic, which is the thriller with Ben Affleck and a couple of those guys. Because we're showing, I mean, book club. Pff. Let's talk about May nineteenth. Fast Ten is going to do Gangbusters for at least a couple of weeks. And then May twenty sixth, about my father, Kandahar, the Little Mermaid, the Machine, and you hurt my feelings. Actually, seeing the Red Band trailer again for you hurt my feelings. That may actually do something. If word of yeah, mouth gets around, yeah. it's funny. And so will st- I, I think Strays will too. There were people just lapping up ferociously during the the trailer, so that might actually do some some good traction as well. I hope so. Because we always I always like to have a couple of good rated R comedies in the pipeline. I know are coming, so that's just a whole. Strays is one of those ones that I'm going to fight against until it until like it has like glorious reviews come back for it. We'll see, but I just I have no faith in that one. That's fair. I mean, I don't I don't blame you for thinking that, but. I usually am pretty surprised by the rated R comedies. I, they're usually pretty great, and if if they're not great movies, then they're they're just damn hilarious. And that's you know why else are you watching it? Hilarious. You watch you watching it not for the hilarity, but all right. Let's take a look at what's streaming this week. We're focusing on Hulu as a service. Hello. And if you want to redeem yourself from watching Chupa last week, feel free to watch Broken Arrow <laughs> by director John Woo, John Travolta, Christian Slater, and Samantha Math is nineteen ninety six. I really like um, Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow and Face Off are two of my go-tos just to put on for silly action movies. Movies that really, they don't, I mean, Broken Arrow makes more sense than Face Off, but not a whole lot more sense. Just the action is so over the top. It would, you know, John Woo has a certain stylized the way he likes to do things. And that action is, is just nuts. But the movie works overall. And it's, I love Christian Slater um, in the late, late 90s. I've always loved Travolta. It's just, it was a movie just geared towards, you know, my age group at the time, which was my late my my late teens or mid to late teens, it was just I loved it, man. It was it was, it was great. Um, check that out if you want to see a '90s uh, classic again. It's just way overproduced, action way over the top, but it's still fun to watch. And they, you- detonate, they detonate a uh, nuclear weapon on U.S. soil, and then he says, "There's butterflies. We're fine." <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's, there's butterflies in the manual. The manual says we're fine. Yeah, what the heck. <laughs> All right, Rod, you chose one. Dread by by director Pete Travis, Carl Urban, Olivia Thirlby, Lena Headey, 2012. Yep. I stand by the fact that this should have gotten a sequel, and I will live through that forever because this is the best version of Judge Dredd, hands down. You think, Chris? You I really, know you've you seen really, this movie, right? I have 100. percent Well, I, I've, so, I've seen I've seen all, all the Judge all the Judge Dredd movies. All the Judge Dredges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However you want to say that. You Dredd, you think that you think that Dread Eye. You think the Dread outdoes the original with Stallone? Oh, hell yeah, because the Stallone movie is like half Judge Dread, half what somebody thought Judge Dread was, mm-hmm. where the Dread with Carl Urban is like straight from the comic books. Yeah. He never takes his helmet off. He just kills people because that's what happens sometimes. And yeah, you know, and that it's dude, awesome. That dude just be killing dudes, right? <laughs> yeah. That was also the same time period where they remade uh, like, Total Recall got remade and RoboCop got remade. None of which got a sequel. None, none of which were any good, if you remember. I just they were in that like total like eighties action remake mode yep. for a while. Uh, I mean, none of them. Was in. Dread was probably the better of the three, but yeah, I, Dread's a good movie. Legitimately, listen. If you're not okay with blood and violence, though, it's really not going to be for you. But if you yeah. if, if you're in, if you're okay with that kind of movie, it, it's really a decent story. Um, where you don't have to have any real Judge Dread background because they lay most of it back out because it's been so long since the Stallone movie. True. But it works pretty good, man. Uh, it's a decent decent action flick, and I, I, I enjoy it. 
I I I tend to agree with you. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give that one another watch because I'm gonna dive into Hulu this this week. There's a lot of movies in there I want to I want to check out. Another one you can check out: Rise of the Planet of the Apes by director Rupert Wyatt to James Franco, Andy Serkis, Frida Pinto, John Lithgow, Brian Cox. A good choice, Chris. A uh, damn good mm-hmm. choice. Started off hell of a trilogy, soon to be a quadrilogy. So that's yeah. exciting. Well, and then right, like you said, another one. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. Oh fuck! I didn't know that. Yeah, and and I think you already said like one of my points on Supreme is, is it starts out it starts off one hell of a trilogy, and it, it like this movie was way better than what I not 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 that it deserved to be, but what everyone thought it was going to be. This movie is really good. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's not completely unbelievable like inside of its own universe of how this all happens, what begins this, and it's got such a good I feel like third act that it's it's suspenseful enough. You're rooting for everybody involved, and you you don't want anybody to like to lose the exchange that happens at the end of this film. But it's I don't know I, I like I like this film a lot for what what it did for the rest of the trilogy that comes out. And there's entertaining movies all the way around, and it's a great place to start if you haven't seen them. Good film. Well, the thing is, it's it's like they only tend they only get stronger as they go on too. True. And you think yep. It's one of those like you know the Planet of the Apes kind of those those B movies to begin with, but they mm-hmm. somehow made a B movie. Not like campy, hokey, like B, you know, like Independence Day kind of B movie. I think Independence Day is like the poster child for B movies. Um, okay, yeah, like that's, that's like they made it more serious and, and then grounded, and it actually works so damn well. Uh, one of the things I always wondered was they didn't bring the Franco character back ever. I, I yeah, I don't know why they didn't. I'm sure there's something behind. You know, like they wanted a different direction, or they wanted to, you know, like a different character to like you know, go along with the rest of the story. But I think Franco was fine in the first. I think he was good in the first one. So I, I was surprised that they didn't bring him back either. Oh, Franco's always, I mean, he's always a very solid choice. Yeah. Uh, he's also I'm, a weirdo. Yes. Never <laughs> underestimate that. <laughs> it's true. I just watched uh knocked up over the weekend when, um, you remember that when Catherine Heigl, she gets pregnant and she like keeps barfing on the interview on E with him. He's like, this is one of the punk shows. I'm not into it. Like, I don't really like this. Yeah, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, that's a. I, I think that's a good. It's an oldie but a goodie too. But uh, yeah, good choice. Good choices, guys. There are some solid movies to. I've never made a bad choice on. when it's it comes true. to movie recommendations. Fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, you're also, you, Roger, you your humility it just bleeds through the mic at this point. It yes, just, it does. You're the most humble person I've ever met. I can't even. He's so stoic. He's so stoic. He is. God, he's just. Yes. Man, we're so lucky to have him. It's just it's incredible. <laughs> Yes. Let's, let's take a look at some trailers, Mr. Stoic. What do you think about all the light we can see with Mark Ruffalo, Helen, Helen Corden, Lewis Hoffman, Lars Edinger, Hugh Laurie, and it's a miniseries from Netflix. What do you think about that? Uh, a lot of opera, a lot of Nazis. Well, Fiend. I mean, the the trailer that we one of the well, at least the trailer that I gave to you guys, the one we're talking about right now. There was no. It was just. It was just a song with some images in the background. Now, mm-hmm. I guess what you can. I mean, what you can surmise is it, it takes place during a very dark time in human history when the when um, the Nazis are taking over, they're kind of rampaging through Europe. Um, obviously, that's a very dark chapter in European history and all world history, really, because it really kind of had reverberations everywhere. But I actually am really excited for this. I I and I don't mean to play that like I you know I love you know I I kind of I like World War Two. I like I think it's a fascinating war, and I think you know it's really kind of an interesting people study to just how fast and how quickly the, 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 the German Wehrmacht was able to just 
sweep over Western Europe and just destroy everything. the entire fucking continent. But it's mm-hmm. a, it's an interesting uh, history is interesting, and I, I hope we get some. At least I just want a good, compelling story to be told here. Now, this isn't the usual. You know, Netflix could be a hundred seasons if it's successful. This is a miniseries, so it's definitely going to have an end from the beginning. Like, they definitely have a set number of episodes. Are they so, called miniseries anymore? Aren't they limited series? Well, this one's actually this one on IMDb is called a miniseries, and it, oh, yeah, interesting. So, even if it's like a, it might be worth taking a look at. If the first two or three episodes are strong, we, we may end up uh, taking a look at that one. You think they drop them all in one shot? Oh, that's a good question. There's been a lot of debate about that recently from Netflix too. So because the I, I was reading an article that um 100 people were 100 random people were pulled in a mall in Michigan and 92 of them said that they preferred the week to week release instead of the Netflix release. Like I'm all you, at man, once. It makes it burn. It makes burns it better for you like it makes it more hyped well that's what game of thrones taught us all again from the netflix you know way of doing things is yep of course game of thrones brought it back to because everyone talks about it and it just it yeah. keeps the hype level high and that and that's important but i'm really looking forward to this one are you guys at all excited about this one all the light you cannot see i mean it's it's an interesting concept i'd like to know what story they're they're going to really be telling yeah. but um i'll at least take a peek at it yeah and, and that, that's at least where i'm at I, i'm I like the I like the World War II era as well. I like the stories that are created or told from that time frame. However, I do want to see like more about what this is actually going to be about than what they gave us here. So my interest is peaked, but I, I want to get a little bit more before I make a decision on that. That's, yeah. That's, that's um, that's one last thing I'll make a comment on that is like, look, we've seen a lot of World War II stuff. Um, a lot of dramatic World War II stuff anyway. You guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'd like this to be like a story that I've never heard or a original telling of something. Yeah. Because um, look, you know, we've seen seen this a hundred times at this point, right? So that's the only thing that I would be leery about is like, look, if this is just a rehash of stuff we know that happened and Netflix threw some money with it to blow some stuff up, you know, I don't know if I'm really into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this, and Chris, I think you're probably going to be in my side of or my camp of thinking away. And this is, I think it's very strange how, given the studio system versus let's just isolate Netflix and call it, you know, the streaming Netflix service. I think it's weird that Netflix is the one that keeps returning to the World War II and the World War One stuff, and not you think that'd be all over like theatrical because just seen as a spectacle, but. At least that's the one positive thing I can say about Netflix right now is they spend a lot of money on historical pieces. And then studios don't tend to do that right now. They just kind of, I mean, you can't really blame them for sticking with what's making money. But yeah. Netflix at least is doing that. And we just, you know, All Quiet in the Western Front, a World War One film, just won, you know, a whole ton of awards. So yeah. yep. I can imagine. But that was, a, that was an excellent movie, though. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was. It was. And I, I, I hope that this is of that same caliber. Because yeah. it's coming, it's coming out at a release time when a lot of the people could, you know, as soon as they wrapped shooting on All Quiet on the Western Front, they could have jumped and started this one. I hope that's the case because that's that bodes very well for a well, good story to be told. I mean, I think that um, Netflix has always done the historical pieces. They their strongest showing of of just robust library they had was all the documentaries they had when they were like first getting into like the whole streaming space. They had a ton of documentaries that they bought the rights to. So they've the, one, kind of, the one thing they haven't fucked up at this point is their documentary side. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, there's things to be said about recent ones that had some blowback, but it, besides even that, they do just they have they've always kind of leaned into the historical pieces. And you made the point already, Grayson, that uh, All Quiet on the Western Front just 
killed it across the board. It got tons of praise. It got it got a whole bunch of awards. So it makes sense that they would then, you know, probably jump onto the next World War II piece because there's at least showing that there is some sort of market's the wrong word because it's streaming, I think. But like there's there's some pull there for the World War II era things. And they know that now at this point, World War One, World War Two. I th- and people generally, I think, like to watch. I mean, World War Two is the popular war because it's, it's it's a war with actual evil in it. And like you mm-hmm. want to see the allies triumph and, you know, stop the not, you know, it just that's one of the few wars in world like in recent world history where like there's actual evil involved. And the World War One wasn't like that. Vietnam War wasn't like that. The Korean War wasn't like that. It's just, you know, the you know, the Gulf War in the 2001. So like there's there's not any real kind of thing like the genocide that the that the Nazis brought about. So yeah. I just I just hope it's good because I just I just want a good, strong story to be told in that. And this like I want like eight, you know, 45, 50 minute episodes. Tell the story. We're done with it. It just let it be, you know, yeah, and, and I don't know. And I, I could and I don't know, Chris, if you can um, so much testify to this as, as Roger and I can. But keeping up on Ted Lasso, I think all of the wins at the first two seasons, all the popularity and all the Emmys, at the first two seasons, one third season three is nowhere near the caliber of the first two seasons. Almost I disagree so, with that. I cannot. I don't even. I don't even think it's even remotely in the same league. But that's look. That's just me. But that's a whole discussion for another day. I just. I know that you know awards can sometimes go to the heads of who, who's making these and just. Mm. Uh, which we should fit a couple more seasons in and just make it what worse. You know, don't water down the content if you don't have to. But I like the change, especially when it comes to Ted Lasso. They said this season was going to take a a darker turn, and it definitely has. And I'm okay with that. Fair. It's just I, I have other points, but this is not a Ted Lasso episode, so it can be. Well, oh, we can just keep talking about. Uh, does it show like Ted Lasso? Well, so like, does it? Sh- and this isn't me dog on the show because I haven't seen it, but like, does a show like Ted Lasso, from the way you guys have talked about it, how it leans really pretty hard into its comedy side, mm-hmm. does it require a darker, like a darker? So, season? so here's the thing. Um, I know it sounds weird to say, but I think it does. Okay. And legitimately, what I mean by that is because there's been a lot of happiness through the thing because listen ted lasso is a comedy slash drama that's Mm -hmm. the easiest way to say it and in this third season the drama has been a little bit more uh, the darker side you know dealing with uh, some people like getting through some of their own mental struggles and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i think it's working just fine it just the tone is different the comedy is still there. Like the characters are still there being themselves. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's more animosity between certain people and it definitely feels like it's the tone is shifted a little bit. So yeah, it's definitely darker, but it's still, it's still Ted Lasso. Okay. I mean, it's fair. Again, that's a, that's a discussion for another day, but, um, but I mean, look, the, the, is life, coach. The, the content is there to watch. So <laughs> if you want to watch it, watch it. Um, all the while you can see, uh, I think it's fair to say we're all excited. Now let's talk about the second trailer for F- Fast X. To quote Roger, "You know the fast, you know the cast." What do you guys think about this new trailer? I believe I said it best. Is fucking inject this shit straight to my veins, brother? <laughs> he said I said it best. <laughs> yeah, fucking right, I did. There's that humility again. <laughs> We've already discussed about my prowess with words <laughs> and my humility. So. I, yeah, it's it's an interesting. Dude. I think this is going to be a. I'm a, like I can't tell you how excited I am for this. If I just I want I like a good popcorn movie. I like I mean look this is we're way past the point of believability in the Fast franchise. So just enjoy it for what it is. That's kind of how I, I see things now. 
as I watched him drive down the dam, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought Transformers has more, uh, like abides more to physics laws than this. Than it's this grounded thing. more in reality <laughs> than fast. Really it's, it's, well, it's just like that's not at all how physics work. Like a car <laughs> wouldn't do that. You'd never a hundred times out of a hundred times that wouldn't happen. The driver would be dead, and there'd be no chance of survival. You know, just, I want. I want the next that fast movie. That dude's just a bitch and can't drive like Dom Toretto. That's I all want, I got. I want the next fast movie to reveal that they're actually in a parallel universe. They're they're on like Earth 77 and they go through a goddamn portal that has that has our version of physics and they find out they can't do all this shit because their Earth just doesn't have the same physics that ours does. That would be hilarious and tons of lower gravity. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like they have a slightly lower gravity and some other shit going on where like they they get pulled into our Earth and they just they all just fucking die in ten minutes because they can't drive the way they usually also, do in their films. Seriously, cars, fist fights, and explosions. What more do you want? What more True. do you need from a fast movie? Yep. I mean, it's the modern I day just, action flick. But that's, I mean, it's the fast stuff is is every bit as as marvelous as um, the the Marvel movies at this point. It's just complete suspense of disbelief. It just you know what? Hold on, I, I, I'm going to challenge you there actually okay. because I believe Marvel and even DC, I think they try to explain like the fantastical side of their films more than fast like just kind of does whatever they want to and if you don't believe it fuck you you know what i mean because like brother you know because like you know they show you with iron man making the suit they show you cap getting you know the the injection to become the super soldier like they try to kind of explain what's happening with the vibranium they in in fast movies they just fucking drive and do shit bro like like if you don't believe this is real you're not american like I think I think it's a little more realistic on the Marvel side of things at this point. Superpowers be damned. Because if Listen. you tell me Vin, if you tell me Vin Diesel and his car isn't a goddamn superhero, I'm gonna challenge you on that. Because he no, is. no, that's why I said he's fair. You could do a whole fucking collegiate thesis on that. <laughs> I have 844 pages with references yep, about 100%. how Vin Diesel's fucking Dodge Challenger or Dodge Charger <laughs> is the greatest superhero of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's just at this at this point, it's just it's just schlock. Like, it's just fun, big Hollywood schlock that's fun oh, to yeah. watch. That's all I can I say. So. Listen, I know I know our boy Martin Scorsese and Ridley Scott won't like it, but this is peak American cinema. Don't fucking tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I don't think you're 100 right. But unfortunately, oh no, I'm right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. I think you're right. Yeah. It's what it comes down to. But look, I mean, look, we're all excited. If, look, if you don't, here's what someone at the office said. Like, I've, I, I have zero interest. Why do you? I'm like, oh, let me just stop you there. Then don't worry about seeing it. If you don't want to watch it, then just don't watch it. Like, what's? The, I don't understand why people these days are all about like, are all like, I can't. I don't. Why is that movie? Well, just don't. It's not talking to you. And so then go watch Chevalier. Go watch something else. If you didn't watch the other nine movies, exactly. maybe the tenth one's not for you. Like that's just easy math. Although I would love to, like, I would love to meet someone who's like, can I just pick your brain? Like, I, I'm going to pay for you to go watch this movie, and afterwards, I want to sit down with you and have a 30 minute conversation. I've you never watched a single <laughs> Fast movie. This will be my first one. I want you to put your questions in order of one to ten. One being the most, or ten being the most prevalent. One being the like kind of most prevalent in your mind. I just want you to give me your top ten questions. I just want to know what they would be. Like, well, what is uh, going on? Well, guys, I, I haven't seen all the Fast movies. 
you know, I didn't really watch uh, anything past uh, Tokyo Drift until we started until I started doing the podcast with you guys. Yeah, but you did... but you know what they're about. Yeah, well, hold on. Someone who's seen the first three Fast movies, do you think that some like if I skipped a whole bunch of them and I went into ten, I would know what they're about still? Because those okay. movies have changed so much since they the have. first the first few. You know what I mean? Like, go, oh man, Tokyo Drift was pretty cool, and I love and I and I love the first one. Yeah, I'll go see ten. I haven't seen any of these in a long time. Maybe I'll just watch watch a few after that. You're gonna leave that movie like, what the hell did I just watch? You know what I mean? They go to the moon. <laughs> they really do go to the moon. <laughs> they go to the goddamn moon. <laughs> and they don't come to go to prison forever. It's just, it's amazing. No, but then I think that's kind of like the allure of the fast at this point. Like, that's why people are like so into it. I just, I'm excited. Let's move on, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Insidious, The Red Door, Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Ty Simmons, Lynn Shay. What are we thinking about this one? We haven't, it's been a while since we've seen anything from the Insidious side. Uh, no. Last one, last one was The Devil Made Me Do It, right? No, that was. That's the no, same no, no, universe? that was the Conjuring. That was the Conjuring. Oh, okay, not, okay, okay. not the same universe. That's just because think. the the guy is from the Conjuring does not mean that they are the same. Okay, okay. See, see, it threw me off because I was trying so, to like before like, before you lines. joined us in the green room here. Me and Grayson were discussing that because we couldn't oh, remember okay. what that series was called. Because I kept saying Annabelle, yeah. he's like, no, no, that's not the actual series. I was like, you're right, it's <laughs> the Conjuring. Yeah, because that's where it's Annabelle's its own spinoff. So I think the mm-hmm. last in okay. all those. I think the last Insidious movie was was the the last key or something. Oh man, do you remember that one, Roger? I I know we weren't. I know it was it was not. We were not fans of it, and we didn't even accept it very well. But um, I, Is I that think the that one with it. Keyface. I think that was Key Fingers, maybe Keyface, Keyfinger, whatever it was. But yeah, I think that yeah. was the last one. Nope. <laughs> But those are, nope. I remember watching in the theater and when like Insidious 1 and Chapter, Insidious Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 were okay because they had, they had like the kind of a new, because it was like in tandem with Conjuring yet not really part of that universe kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think Insidious kind of fell on the wayside of the popularity of the Conjuring and Annabelle and everything else. But I, I mean, nope. I like a good, I like a good horror movie as long as it's not jump scare. What? And in, in Insidious, if I remember right, is all about the jump scares. So I guess we'll see. But I'm kind of excited. I'm not not excited. I'm just kind of somewhere between excited and neutral. So and sometimes I get sad. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm. There's certain scary films and spooky films that I get excited for, and some I don't. I don't think I'm going to want to see this one because if I don't, if I don't talk my wife into going to see this, I'm going to see it at a weird fucking hour on a Tuesday, and I'm going to be the only one in the goddamn theater, and I'm and I'm going to be sad while I watch this. <laughs> I don't want. Well, that. I mean, it might if, if she's seen the other four, then she's seen none of them. We don't watch oh. scary movies. Oh, really? I I kind of I like some of them are some of them are okay. I just watched a movie called Lights Out, um, I, from 2015, I think 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger, you should avoid that one at all costs. <laughs> not a problem that one's, that one's pretty creepy man like i didn't sleep that night it was how creepy it was that, that was oh. i think that was last monday or tuesday night it was did you watch oh, did man. you watch that um that you that short that i told you about no what well, well, well tell me the name of the short I, it may jog my memory i think i think it's called lights out it's a short film it's only like three minutes long or something no no i watched a, i watched a feature called lights out but i didn't watch the a movie called lights out or uh, yeah a short yeah, there's like a there's like a short there's there's a horror thing from like nine years back that was like it scarred me for months. <laughs> it's not it's not good. <laughs> mm. No, I'll send it your way. 
<laughs> okay. No. I, do, I do like a good horror movie, um, but it's yeah. just no. some, of the, some of them I just don't want to go to sleep. I'll after. put it in the group chat. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. No. All right. <laughs> now the time has come to talk about the movie of the week, The Pope's Exorcist. Ooh. I know. The Pope's Exorcist. The Pope's Exorcist. Say some Latin. Do it. I don't know any Latin to say. Oh, well, that's sad. Carpe D's nuts. Carpe D's nuts. (laughs) With that, let's segue into the tomato meter. The tomato meter, Carpe D's nuts indeed, 51%. Just barely above above average, which I'm kind of, I kind of agree with. Uh, Audience audience score, 83%. Okay, I thought you meant 8.3. I was about to be super shocked. No, no, this is 83%. I can see a movie like this, though, getting a higher audience score than critic score anyway. anyway. Most of them do. Oh, yeah. Most of them absolutely do. Let's get some particulars out of the way. John Goodman. No, no, no. <laughs> Russell Crowe as Father Gabriel Amorth. Daniel Zavado as Father Esquibel. Alex Esso as Julia. Franco Nero as the Pope. Laurel Marsden. It's Amy John Corn, sorry Cornell John as Bishop Lumumba and Ralph Innocent. Oh, that is Ralph Innocent. Now that I think about it, is the demon. <laughs> yep, that's that's. <laughs> I knew that voice was familiar. Directed by Jules Avery, Roger or Chris, one of you guys. What is the Pope's Exorcist about? It's about an exorcism performed by the Pope's exorcist. Mm. Fiend. Let's move to score this thing then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we're good, right? Like, it, that pretty much sums it all up. Over all the bases, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Here, so, <laughs> and Chris, I, I thought of you, the first one I thought of in conversation was you, of how, mm-hmm. one thing I, I admire this movie, and I told Roger this before we started recording, is, uh, before you hopped on, actually, is it doesn't waste any time with the, is he or isn't he possessed like okay, the kid yeah. is absolutely possessed. I mean, that's jumping oh, yeah. a little ahead, but like that's one thing I think is a little different than the past. So I'm kind of glad they we got in this one because they didn't waste any time with it. So you can give me time. You could dedicate screen time to other things, but it's it still is kind of even with the you know right away that the boy is like the demon is inhabiting the boy. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes some of the it, it takes some of the intrigue and mystery because one thing you get when. When you have a, a possession film like this and the people involved are trying to figure out, well, is is he possessed or is he just being a little shit? Is you get a natural thing of them explaining the rules in this world of what that possession is. Sure. And like we didn't really get a lot of that. We just we kind of get spoon fed as he's telling the the kind of like the the junior priest how to deal with things and like mm-hmm. we don't really get a lot of the rules of the world in this one it's just kind of it's it's all kind of instead given to us through as part of the story which i i also did like yeah uh, but it's that was kind of different and I, I i was i was okay with it i was gonna say like, like maybe the movie's maybe the movie isn't insulting like anyone's intelligence and it's and they're going to assume that in 2023 that you've probably seen some sort of horror film with like a possession or an exorcism in it and kind of kind of know like the gist of how this goes and also i think it does a good job of not wasting anybody's time with um like you said how there's no there's no question the boy's corrupted i think it's because of the reveal of like of who he's corrupted by maybe maybe and you can kind of explain it where like you know the demon that he's is that he's 
possessed by is so powerful that there would there would just be no incubation time, right? There wouldn't be some slow burn. And uh, you have to remember who this demon is. And I think that's another thing that it stops it from being a slower start is because you eventually find out that how powerful the demon that he's possessed by, it would, it would forego any incubation period. It's going to lean right into the, like a full corruption of, of this boy's soul very quickly instead of the usual, like, you know, it's been a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and then he starts showing signs or it gets worse and worse over this long time. Instead, it's very fast with how powerful like the, the demon that's involved here is, which I think is a, a nice way for it to kind of like speed up like the process and get more to the meat of what's happening around the possession and why instead of just you know oh the boy's possessed now we need to help him we help him and here we go like yeah. th- there's a lot more layers here to this film which i i kind of appreciated that because you don't usually get that out of these kind of movies I no agree. he definitely goes from zero to 100 in the uh possession world and that's respectable yep oh yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean like you, you gotta you gotta admire the hustle right like he's yeah. got things to do he's got plans to, to get done he's like i've been gone for a while but i'm back now <laughs> so <laughs> i'm back baby I, I do like I do like um, this is something that I don't think I've really seen in an exorcist type movie. Now, listen, I, you know, I we joke all the time that this, I don't really do these type of movies and mm-hmm. I don't really do these type of movies. However, I didn't I didn't hate this movie. Um, yeah. I think it's OK, which I think is listen, that's fucking high praise for me here because okay, yeah. normally these things are bad. They're almost always jump scary garbage. And uh, this movie is not that which is respectable. They do tell a semi okay story here. Yeah. You know, you learn a little bit about who the Pope's exorcists are, our lead Russell Crowe, our boy Gabriel here. Um, we learn a little bit about his past and stuff that's happened. And, you know, he doesn't feel bad for anything except for the one person that he lost for a different reason. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of get his story, but we also like this movie kind of kicks off with a bang, literally with him showing up <laughs> In like some some like rural Italian town performing like some half cocked exorcism that lasts I don't know four minutes, right, and ends with a pig being executed. Now look, I've never seen that in the movie before. Uh, animal sacrifice, I believe. They is that, is was that the, is that the corrected term? <laughs> <laughs> so the the scene that I'm saying or referring to, folks, is. He goes to this person who is clearly having some issues, is possessed, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Gabriel's he's like, I got no fucking time for this shit, right? He's like, I've had yeah. enough. You know, this dude is just, this demon's a moron. Um, yeah. Because to get the demon out, you have to, like, get it to say, you, know, you have to know its name and have to get, like, there are rules for this. There are decently explained throughout this mm-hmm. movie, but this movie goes right into it. He tricks this demon and uh, basically is like, dude, you're, su- you're such a weak-ass demon, you couldn't even possess this pig. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, watch. And he possesses the demon, and then the dude just, like, legitimately mafia-style executes his hog. Yep. <laughs> and exorcism over. Yeah, like that dude loses, <laughs> well, it loses was, its it, vessel. It was clever, though. I mean, I didn't expect it to go. There. <laughs> Look, I have never seen that in a horror film before. And that's for <laughs> sure. So we get points for originality. Peta probably not real happy about his methods, though. Well, Just gonna uh, so, throw that out there. Well, so like I, I think it it does it does a good job of setting up his uh, Russell Crowe's character too, and Gabriel. How he, like like you said, he has no time for this. He like this demon is so it's such low level. So he's, <laughs> so he's the Pope's like, exorcist. Stupid henchman. 
Yeah, well, basically, he's like he's the Pope's exorcist. Like this is not this is beneath him. He has no time for for this for this crap. He knows this this demon is nothing just just by how quickly he's able to have it track uh, track the holy symbol. He shows it, and he just knows he's just done with it. And he just you know calls in the pig and does his thing, and bam, exorcism is done. And I mean that metaphorically and and punnily. So. <laughs> Boom. But I, I think we also it, it's. We are, t- we are, this is a movie about a real person that did live. It is. This dude is a real person. And was an exorcist. And see, that all, that right off the bat, like, I was, I was more interested in, in, I was more interested in the movie The Pope's Exorcist in the first few minutes when you learn that he's a real person more than I was like, and, and, and for all the jump scare garbage it was, like, the, the nun, a very similar okay, setting yeah. at a, at a, at, at what, you know, what was, what, what once was a, a holy place of, of God and, Abbey and now is owned by evil. Like I mean, the, they're very similar in that way. But it, it, the, the, this one is more exciting to me. It's more, I think, almost use the term relevant because he's a real person, and like obviously there's some, there are some facts here that maybe they're like loosely based on, but at least some of this has to be factually accurate more than just he lived and he did an exorcist at one time at this place. Dude, I, those I, files must be wild. Oh, I'm sure man. Like, I, I I couldn't imagine because like it, a lot of that stuff is going to be a mixture of a people's experience that they think they're experiencing Hysteria. as what they are, and uh, and some of it's going to be just you know like the way people explained happenings you know back then. Like there's a lot of mental like mental health diseases and mental disorders that used to be just considered straight up possession or witchcraft mm-hmm. or this that or the other, and so like people like like really truly believed that if you know someone had something like this going on that like, they were possessed by a demon or they were, their faith was sh- was shaken all this other stuff and just to think that those people had the balls to write that into a book yeah and then later on read that should be like, oh that guy just had Tourette's everybody you yeah. know you, you, you didn't have to, you didn't have to you know cut his tongue out so he couldn't speak the devil's ilk anymore yep. damn you know um, it, it's it, all that stuff's just kind of like like that that shit's real it happened because of those unexplainable things that technology hadn't caught up with at that time yeah. one thing that i do respect about this when he gets put in front of the board basically for his <laughs> his unauthorized <laughs> exorcism which is uh, a, a hilarious interaction by the way well I mean, you know they got a call from Peta exactly yeah and somebody's like, like dude gabriel what the, gabe what the fuck this is the <laughs> third one this year you know and but he's like, look, he's got no time for this shit either. Right? No, true, yeah. He's like, I've been, we've, we've been in these meetings before. You tell me not to do it. I'm going to do it anyway because I don't give a shit about you, like that kind of thing. Like, I like his candor here when he was just like, look, if I don't think it's a legitimate possession, 98% of the time I recommend medical help for a physical or mental disorder, right? He lays that out to them. Yeah. The one guy's like, well, what about the other 2%? He's like, you wouldn't believe me about the other 2% if I fucking told you everything that ever happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just like, I don't know why we have to deal with this. Well, And I like by the end of it, he just straight name drops the Pope. He's like, yeah. you know what? You know what? Talk to my boss. Look, just you got leaves. a problem with it? Talk to my boss. You know, like, that's <laughs> it. You know who he is. You want Go his number one eight hundred the Vatican. <laughs> He's like, I work in Rome. The Vatican is my home turf. My boss <laughs> is the Pope. Like, come on, bro. Well, but also, there is. Go ahead. Also, I want to talk about you know him getting around 
you know, Rome on a little tiny scooter. And then the <laughs> hilarious thought that I had of him, right? Listen, do you know where Seville, Seville, Spain is in, in reference to where Rome, Italy is? It's got to be some distance, right? Dude, it's 1,600 miles. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's I imagine he got on his little Ferrari Vespa, because listen, they make it a point <laughs> to show you that it's a Ferrari. Of course. And then just putters along the countryside for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what, 1,600 miles? That's That can't take longer. If you're going, how long will it take to drive across the, like... Well, imagine if your country. top speed is 40 miles an hour. I was going to say, his top speed's like 35, bro. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair, fair. <laughs> And, and look, that, that's nothing against old Gabe, but Russ is a—he's not exactly a, a thin man anymore. <laughs> no, he's not. You know, he's—he's he's got some beef to him. He does. Well, I mean, he just has extra gas station stops because the gas mileage is a little bit worse. You know what yeah, I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, look, that's a week-long trip minimum. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's a week, but it's certainly not the way <laughs> they—it's certainly not like how they present it to you is in the next day. All right, say hypothetically, go th- thirty-five miles an hour, right? In a day of riding eight miles or eight. Eight hours, right? Which is a hell of a long time on a bike, period. Okay. He's only gotten, you know, 250 miles or so. Okay. Point made, but I think it's one of <laughs> okay. faster than 35. But all right, all right, boys, we're a little off track on this. No, we, no we're not because this factors <laughs> into other stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, we know that Russell Crowe as Gabriel is a strong character. And I would say he is absolutely the reason why this movie works, right? Because of just, I don't know, you have someone like Russell Crowe. He he doesn't miss a beat in this thing. He's fun to watch when, you know, when there's, when he has His a little bit of comedy. character is funny. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, yeah. It's weird to say that in a movie about a guy performing exorcisms, the dude's got a sense of humor while morbid does work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's got, the, he's got like the terrible, like preacher dad jokes. Yeah, look, I would you know love I mean? to have a beer with this guy. He's yeah. got shit to talk to you about. Well, I mean, you, you don't have to have a beer. You can just have the whiskey. He has, you know, smuggled with him in his pocket. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, original exorcist father Marin, uh, in in this in his character and like how they introduce him you know some of the, some of the lighting when when he's stepping into frame like it's a, there's a lot of very the similar that certainly the, the the hat the there's a lot of Max von Sydow as Father Marin kind of stuff going on here too which is you know I appreciate that I'm a big fan of the original actually no it's a big deal sure Do you guys yeah. know that there's a a canon sequel coming out later this year by David no. by, is it Star Russell Crowe no but it's made by David Gordon Green. To the Exorcist, right. uh huh. Okay, Chris knows my uh, particular propensity towards that man at this point, but mm-hmm. yes, uh, but I think I think that's interesting. But it, there's what I like about Russell Crowe. I first of all, if you if you told me, you know, back in 2000 that Russell Crowe will one day play a kind of a almost B movie ish Exorcist, I'd be like, there's there's no way that guy's mm-hmm. never going to do something that lowbrow. Just never going to happen. But, you know, times have changed for Russell Crowe, and he's not in demand well, as he once was. But Would you believe it if uh, someone told you that Mel Gibson was playing the same role? <laughs> All right, fair. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> See? <laughs> fair. Okay. It's it's fair. It just works, right? It just kind of works. You're right. But, again, these these both those men are way past their prime and, like, what they were going to do in cinema. Now it's just, like, collecting paycheck and lending their name to something. Sure. Well, oh, h- yeah. hold on. I think you're short-selling Russell Crowe in this movie, right? Like, I think he's fine in this role. Agreed. Like, I, I don't think he's, think he's mailing part. this in for a paycheck. I think he does a pretty damn no, good well, job. That was going to be my next point, was I also, I was going to say, I don't think he, I think he's actually one of the better parts of this movie is. Oh, yeah, 100%. He, he's, like, without Russell, with someone that's not quite Russell Crowe's caliber, this movie could have been a very different movie. Oh, yeah. 
if they'd have gone low budget and cast someone that wasn't, you know, they just got a name in there. Like, uh, could have been a lot worse. Let me ask you something. Now, what if Keanu Reeves had done this? No, he can't because no, then he can't be another exorcist because he has to yeah, be John Constantine. He, yeah, he has to be Constantine or else I will riot. So it's just impossible. No, okay. Listen, you want you want a real throwback to last week? Imagine somebody like Christian Slater. Mm, yeah, he could. I mean that seriously. He could like if this. he was in this movie instead of Russell Crowe. This is a far worse movie. But I don't think it's because of Christian Slater. I just think it would. The part would have been. I think Russell Crowe plays his part about as well as it could have been played by anybody. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think it's, yeah. it would be it would be Christian Slater's fault that the that the movie wouldn't be as good. It's the fact that you got Russell Crowe and Russell Crowe came in and took this took this thing serious enough to have a good time with the character, but to still bring his his full acting chops that you know that he not once had, but obviously he still has. Mm-hmm. He didn't phone this in like, like Roger said, and I think it shows because again he is the strongest part of this. There's other characters here that aren't quite as you know aren't nearly as good as Russell Crowe. Some of them that do a fine job, they're just not there yet, and others sure. that are just kind of throwaway characters anyway. You know, it, it's it's I think it's a good a good example of you know of of a of an actor who's like you said you know quote unquote past their prime, but it, it's you know this is a good this is a good late film for this for this kind of actor. Yeah. Imagine imagine um before his passing if um what's uh. Uh, he played Bond for a while. Played in League of Extraordinary Sean Gentlemen. Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah, imagine Sean Connery doing a movie like this. It's believable, and he'd he'd come in and he'd kill it. He wouldn't phone it in. You know what I mean? I feel like he could do something. He could have done something like this too, like near the end of his you know his career. And I think it had been a good a good film, you know, for that reason as well. I think you get the right actors that still take it seriously, and you can make a decent film because you have a good actor in it. What about Harrison? And what Ford? should be a hard B, a B movie? Get off my plane! Get out of my kid! Or get something? Out of my, you get know out of I mean? my church! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kicks him down the well, <laughs> right? Oh, we're getting a also the time, well but... super creepy. You know, but but but. but... A cool explanation, though, and they tied it together with real-world events of the Spanish Inquisition. So yeah, that that was interesting, right? Yeah, um, the oh, way yeah. that they put, like, hey, this one, this may have all been organized by the damn by the King of Hell. <laughs> You're just like, oh, that's really fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, so like, uh, like I, I want to talk about a couple of the other characters then, real sure. quick, since we got on the the subject of Russell Crowe and what he brought. The um. Like I think that the I think what was his name Father Thomas the Tom. uh, the other sure. yeah Father Tom I I thought his character was actually good I I know he serves the purpose of helping us explain things in this world sure. you know in the and kind of in some of the rules of what's happening but I think he does that effectively and he's a he ends up being a pretty good sidekick for you know Russell Crowe's character for Gabriel mm-hmm. and I did think he was fine I think Mom's fine the boy does good enough. He, there's a few awkward parts with the voiceover with, um, with the person voice acting the, uh, it doesn't the exactly demon. sync up. Right. I thought, that yeah, there's, there's a couple points where it's a little off, but I think, you know what he's being asked of, you know, to sit in that one spot and have all that makeup on, you know, and try to be as menacing as possible. It's tough for some kids to do that, you know, mm-hmm. at a younger age. So I think he did a good job. The problem I have character wise is with the, the older daughter, daughter right. Yeah. And only because she's like every rebellious teenager cliche in the book. And I don't know why they felt like they had to do that because it doesn't play into anything. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off there. But so she's every rebellious teen daughter until she's not. And then she's like, please, God, mom, help me. You know, you're just like, you're a badass kid. Like she's sitting on a banister smoking a cigarette, which is a real power move, by the way. Well, so listen, here's the thing. I rolled my eyes pretty hard at that point because like she walks in. 
She's you know, she's already eye rolling huffy with mom. Blah blah blah. Kids don't want to be here. Oh, Walks I have in to and live in a beautiful house in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Imme- immediately goes and finds the first construction worker guy that with a cigarette. Asks him for one and then sits on the banister. Like Jesus Christ! It's almost comical. It's so cliche. Well, it's and, so it's Europe in the eighties, so everybody was still chain smoking. So that's fine. Also but believable. Just, yeah, yeah, but it's just like like. I would have felt better if that would have played into anything like, you know, maybe, she, you know, like maybe she's promiscuous and that's like one of her sins. But maybe her like rebellion that. is seen as one of her sins and like it plays into like her getting corrupted at some point. But no, the demon's already powerful enough to corrupt anybody in the goddamn house we figure out. So yeah. you don't need any of that. You could have had her been, you know, just a regular girl trying to, you know, help her sick ass brother, you know, get over yeah. like his trauma. But they did this weird cliche rebellious thing that didn't matter in the end. Yeah. I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of eye rolly. Um, I mean, you're always going to have that, though. You're never not going to have that. Especially yeah, it just has to fit a, a trope. Especially in a movie that was that could have, with just a little bit of different direction, could have been an entire cliche on itself. Sure, you but know. it's not. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, I mean, the fact that she is a cliche and everything she does is kind of cliched, it doesn't really hurt the movie one bit, you know, because it, the movie itself takes it more seriously than. I mean, that's not she is not the focus. Uh, the True. boys, the folk. I mean, I, I wish there would have been more moments between. I wish there would have been more moments between the two siblings, and I not that. Look, losing a parent early that can really, that can really mold some siblings to become extremely close or extremely distant from mm-hmm. each other. Um, not that I've any experience in that, but I'm just from from some friends growing up. It can really do some damage, and I so I, I wouldn't. But the movie doesn't really go into that, and I was really kind of hoping it would because again, it's how do you? I mean, look, I mean, you when you break it down, like how do you combat this? How do you combat a possession, or how do you combat the devil or forces of evil? Is you know love and forgiveness, and you know sticking by one another. That's how you fight that. So I was you for- looking for more than it would, the movie was giving me. You forgot faith. Well, that's what I mean. Faith. Well, that's what I mean. Like again, faith, believing in things, believing in your in your in your family, closeness, all that stuff is all linked into faith. Sure, but I was looking for tropes that didn't come, and I was surprised they didn't come. Is some of those other ones? So I just well, there was no family redemption arc between mom and daughter. Like they didn't piss around with that kind of stuff. Which I more mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I was I was thinking, you know, well, like this place has been in Dad's family for generations. I was expecting some tie-in to Dad, not really, being like some some like really like bad dude or something like that, you know. And nope. it coming it coming back to like you know like be a a major sticking point, but it didn't, you know, like like you said, it it, it didn't take that that easy road. It kind of just stuck to like the story it wanted to tell, which. You know, respect for that because the movie does have a pretty tight runtime too. On top of all, it is. It's not very long, which I think benefits a movie like this, um, because you know we don't have to worry about overly overtelling a story that's not very strong. Because look, story's only okay here, right? Um, It's the it's the acting that kind of keeps it afloat. Um, I want to talk about a a scene real quick, and then I two things. First, I want to talk about um, effects. For just a second, okay? Because there is a mix of, you know, like CGI effects, obviously with like lighting and like at points stretching people's mouths. Yeah, fire and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought they did a pretty good job. But the one Mm -hmm. thing that I really thought was interesting or that I actually liked in this movie is when he's holding the artifact up. And the demon's eyes shifted away from the boy's eyes. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoa, that was actually cool. 
you know, because it was so much so that Gabriel was just like, bro. Yeah, yeah, even he was like, hmm, okay. So, like, we're not, he's like, I think at that point he realized we're not messing with him, like, minor league player here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is big boy possession style. Yep. Um, and then the scene I want to talk about real quick is the scene between Gabriel and uh, Father Thomas when he's talking about taking confession. And Thomas goes, I haven't had a confession in eight months. Yep. And Gabriel looks at him and goes, he's like, he basically is like, what, what the fuck? He has <laughs> no time for this. Yeah, he's like, dude, <laughs> come on, bro. And then so he's he like, fast the confession. He goes, so you know what you're getting into here, right? You know, you're, you're sorry for what you did and yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolve you. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Well, and I was, it, it was shocking to see it not actually work too when they got. Yeah, well, because when he come back and he immediately throws in his face that he'd been banging one of his uh, parishioners, yep. and you know that's really like a super big no no. Yeah, uh, kind of. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, I do like the fact though that they didn't like awkwardly dwell on that mm-hmm. between them. You know what I mean? Between Gabriel yeah. and Thomas, he's like, look, dude, I get it. We've all sinned. You know, we're all sinners. You yeah. know, God's the only person that, you know, you can be absolved by this. And yeah. I, I thought it was kind of neat that they, they took that story arc and just kind of pushed through it. Now, listen, obviously, I won't spoil it, but it does come back into play a couple more times, like during yeah. the, the climax of the movie. Um, but not in any like weird, overly like negative way. It's just it just how the demon plays out his you know, what he's trying to do. So, oh yeah, yeah that was kind of cool. And it also really led some credence, like for them to try to get to understand who each other really are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I think, I think it plays into the strengths and stuff like that. It, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, it's explained early on that, you know, that the devil's main tool is deception and it pulls from these things that you discover along the way to keep on, to keep on using that deception and to to get the demon where the demon wants to be, and in the end, it's it's pretty it's it makes sense. It isn't over the top exciting, but it keeps you like understanding what everyone's going through mm-hmm. as they're going through stuff, which well, I think is important. The, we do find out about Gabriel and the one thing the the one person that he couldn't save. I won't mm-hmm. I won't spoil like what happens because I think that's important for people to find. Like if you're going to actually watch this yeah. movie, I don't want to explore that, but that, I think that's an interesting storyline. Um, that I really didn't see unfolding the way that it did. Um, So I thought that was kind of like, hey, that's kind of a cool twist here. And Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, he's not really holding himself responsible. Like, he's like, I have, you know, I was absolved of this. You can't hold that against me. Like, explaining that to the demon, you know, so... I thought that was kind of cool. Well, um, I, I, I like the demon's rebuttal though. Was that was that you know you know you haven't forgiven yourself? Yeah, which I thought that was kind of cool mm-hmm. too. At the same time, and he's like, you don't believe in your own words or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, I do like the fact that we find out like we're dealing with a very powerful demon here. Um, we very did spend powerful, some time just, talking yeah. about the hierarchy of demons in our pre-show, <laughs> which is you know interesting for us, not something we normally mm-hmm. do. Um, no, so I thought that was. Yeah, I mean, just me then. Yeah, well, there, there, there are rules, and I, I, I didn't look. I'm not. I like the whole angels and demons things. I'm just not up on the rules, but I, I do enjoy how it, it wasn't so much the, the the timetable in this movie wasn't how do we defeat this demon? It's we how do we discover its name so we can defeat it? Mm-hmm. Which I thought again different. I like it. It's using that kind of tactic. I thought was interesting too. How it was kind of a sparring match back and forth between uh, Father Gabriel and. Uh, and the demon itself, and that was kind of a, it was kind of a you know a, 
a test of wits in the beginning of well, who's going to admit it first? Who's going to reveal who yeah. they are first? I thought that that was that got old that that got old quick. But I like I do like the backstory of Gabriel tying into again when in doubt Nazi out. I do I do like that <laughs> whole uh, backstory of. Um, and I, I don't remember actually how similar that is to Father Marin because I, I know in one of the I know in the Exorcist prequel with in one of the earlier in one of the prequel Exorcist films or the prequel he uh, Marin was involved in again a Nazi occupation of France and he the Nazis made him choose who was going to live and who was going to die and if he didn't choose they would kill the whole town but if, but if he chose two they just kill those two and he as a as a priest yikes but that's kind of a t- what were you talking about Bill Knighty. No, no, that's oh, that, that is Dave. Sorry, that's Dave. I, I'm talking about um, Bootstrap Bill, Scarsguard. Sorry, sorry. Oh, okay, there we go. I, I totally, totally just had a brain fart there. Sorry about that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and uh, but also, also, I like how they tied it back to the war, and that's a you can you can really have a lot weighing on your soul. I can see some old guy having a lot in his soul from World War II. What do you have to do to survive? You know, just. I like that aspect of it. They didn't use that to its fullest, I don't think, and I wish they would have explored more of that. Um, you know, he has sins that he has yet repented for because, you know, that's whole, this whole thing is like, what is he not admitting to himself even? What's the what's the what's the phrase when they find out all the all records have been redacted? Your sins will come back to haunt you or your sins will find you. Yep. What, yeah. One, one of those is the phrase. But I I do like how they played with that, too. Back like that was one of the main central themes is what you've done in the yeah. past will come back to present day. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I like that a lot. I like the Abbey as the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they explore the grounds a little, little bit how there's you know i know it's kind of cliche to be like what unholy thing is below the this holy you know place i that's kind of yeah. cliche but it's also it also gave the movie kind of a second life towards the end of how you okay like yeah. okay mm-hmm. now i'm interested in this because now we're going into the catacombs and who knows what is down here so how bad is it when the fucking file at the vatican is all redacted yeah <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what? No. <laughs> All of it? I don't even want to read this book. <laughs> well, that's also no. not how that would work either. I mean, what's the point of redacting files in the master file if you can't Dude, find out? Haven't you make... ever seen any governmental release? If, if, it, if it makes the Vatican look bad, they're going to redact it. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, like, it was all tied to, to the Vatican is, like, what they, you know, what the whole stick of... Uh, what the demon was trying to do was kind of doing was the fact that, you know, it was all in the name of, he of, may have of, corrupted the entire Spanish inquisition. Yeah. Oh, like, dude, like, that's why you better, that's you why better wipe that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just get rid of that? There you go. Yeah. yeah. No, we're so, just going to uh, go ahead and burn this book. That's fine. So what did you guys, so I thought that when he kicks out, father tom pretty quick when he caught when they call in for the priest mm-hmm. and then you know he, he then he screams out you know wrong priest how did you guys think for a minute that it was going to be the same demon that he exercises with the pig in the beginning where like so, he wants to see him again like i thought for a second there i thought it was going to be that where like you know the, well, that demon's back and he knows more now and he's going to be even harder and he has like a grudge against this specific well because it's what two days later or three days yeah, later, yeah. Or something like that yeah, yeah something like that so no, I, I I thought that for a second, but they make it pretty clear that they're not on the same playing field. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. But also, I want to ask you: as soon as that happens, he throws the he throws Father Tom out in like kind of in a comical way. Bring no wrong priest. Doesn't mm-hmm. it kind of? It's you know, it's the whole thing when you're watching a horror film when they finally reveal the creature. It's like oh, now it's not so scary anymore. Now it's not quite. No, as this one was still pretty fucking scary. 
Yeah, because and also I think it I think it's a good uh, push and pull between uh, you know Gabriel and the demon because just like Gabriel doesn't have time for this bullshit, neither does this demon. This demon doesn't have have time for this for for this lowly priest. He no. he a is going to cor- corrupt this kid extremely fast and knows that the vessel doesn't have a lot of time and he and he has shit to do. Like he has he has his his goals to attend and he wants to get on his way. Yep. So I think it I think it's a good push pull between the two characters. Yeah, his entire motive is to you know, from the the time that he's been there since like the 1400s or so is he'd been feeding off exorcists. You know, people that perform the exorcisms, he'd been trying to corrupt one of them to get himself into the Vatican. You know, like that's what he wanted to do. Like he had his sights set and that's where that stood. And looking at, you know, Father Tom, who's like basically a rookie priest. And he's just like, <laughs> no, be gone. Whoop, out yeah. the door, buddy. And, yeah. And don't forget, you know, like it's pride is a huge sin. And I think both of the like while we're supposed to absolve ourselves of our sins, demons, you know, they cling to them. And I think, you know, they point out a few times that Gabriel's very prideful, which is like one of his, one of the things that he's guilty of. This demon is also prideful for, you know, we find out why later on, but like, you know, again, he, he, he won't waste his time on this lowly priest. He wants the, the, the most powerful priest that he can get a hold of as fast as he can, because that's the level of demon he is. Again, it, it feeds into the whole pride and sins thing. Well, of, of course that it. But so let me ask you a question then. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't even know if this is a valid question to ask. But why I've asked this before? Why is the 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 deem the demonic part of these movies always more powerful than it seems just like they have power to do whatever they want to do appear wherever they want to appear appear however they want to appear in someone's dream or whatever and the other side doesn't quite do anything to stop it and I, i'm referring to of course to god but because our side because our side is always rooted in faith in the power of faith and if someone comes down and just solves the problem for you you have nothing to believe in. Yeah, you don't have to be- believe in anymore. Yeah. In order to believe in something, it requires faith. Once you have proof of that, there's no more faith. There's no more belief. There just is. But it seems so like that's it seems that's like where always the in, this, in these stories told. They're always the demons always just allowed to run rampant without any kind of checks and bounds. From what I thought would have been interesting is if they break the rules. Is if the <laughs> demons knew how far they could go without incurring the final wrath that they would ever incur. Or like, I, th- I thought that would have been an, an interesting touch. And I was kind of waiting for that for the for the demon even to know the his own set of rules of what he could and couldn't do because uh, Father Emeroth, a crow's character, had the same. He like they he had a set of rules he had to abide by, and the demon really didn't. So like, well, that's not really fair. Wouldn't it be more interesting well, if they both knew where they could and couldn't tread? Well, no, I I, th- I think the whole point there is that the, the demons don't really have too many rules they have to follow. There are some rules. Don't don't get me wrong. Like you know, they have to have a, a vessel that's able to be possessed. Blah blah yep. blah. That's why mom. That's why mom never gets possessed. That's why the kids do right. So like, like they have the whole thing about what they're doing is they don't have to follow the rules, and that's also what their downfall is. Because as they as they go more and more outside of the bounds of what they're supposed to or like not supposed to do. That's what gets them into trouble. They get too far in. They're too prideful. They're too confident. They don't respect, you know, what's happening around them enough. They're too gluttonous on what they're on all the things they're gaining. And that's what always ends up being their downfall is the fact that they always overstep these things that have consumed them into sin already. 
that's where that's why that they do that because they're not supposed to, but they do until you know their their overindulgence in whatever sin that they're that they represent or that embodies them is what ends up being their downfall in the end. You know, the the demon that we deal with here, he's so prideful that he thinks that he can't lose. He thinks that all he has to do is is possess Father Gabriel to then win. But then you yep. find out that Father Gabriel has has a very strong will and a very strong belief, and he's able to resist that for much longer than he expects. And then when he has the assistance near the end, that he's able to, you know, attempt to overcome this fully at that point. That's fair. Which again, the pride the pride of the demon we're dealing with. You know, he believes that there's no chance. All he had to do was get to his point, his from point A to point B. Turns out he has to get to point C and D as well, which yep. is to fully take over and corrupt. Let's say he he'd had enough power to corrupt. I don't know every other person had come through there, and then he runs into somebody who is, you know, very faithful. You know, knows what he's dealing with, and he's like, "Well, maybe you know, I wasn't quite as tough as I thought I was." So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's many times he he tells Tom that he's gone and he's won, but at the same time, you know, he's there's almost that underlying point of contempt and panic because he hasn't quite won it yet. Yep. You know, he's he's protesting too much. He's telling him leave. I've already won. You know, he even he even tells Tom that he that he can leave that he can go that he should just leave, and it's because he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Old Tom, he's not as tough yeah. as he thinks he is. Well, that's, I mean, you're right, though. The, usually they, they all have a kind of a similar pride as their downfall or whatever, or like mm-hmm. a, a major glaring weakness is what is exploited yeah. usually in the end, and it's pretty obvious. Um, what what were some things that... Now, Chris, I think the question is more aimed at you because you, you really like these angel and demon movies. What was in this one that you didn't... Or what wasn't in this movie you expected to see as far as uh, story points? So I expected to see um, a little bit more involved with not supernatural because we do get do get a good bit of that Mm -hmm. but i expected to see a little bit more on the face side of things and he has this whole box of tools that we didn't really he only uses like two three like two or three things from holy water the relic the cross and something else uh he uses that coin he got from the guy downstairs in the catacombs but the ring that was the the ring yeah yeah so like like I expected to see a little bit more on that, a little bit more on like you know like like what you know the powers that Faith uses to kind of combat what's going on. We we didn't get as much as that as I thought we would, but we also got a little bit more into like the lore behind what's happening and what like the demons' motives are, which we usually don't get all of that. We just get like you know ah uh, he's possessed because he was bad or because he's powerful, blah blah blah, and then things happen. So yeah, we got th- a little bit more on like on that that lore side, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, there is a pretty decent demon story here. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, find out that you're dealing with uh, somebody high up the chain here. Yep. Which is bad news for some folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ex- and also, okay, and, and something that we didn't get was we didn't get quite as much death as we usually get in these kind of films. Not saying that it needed it. No, but you, usually, you're right, though. I, I thought about yeah. that, too. Like, the five main people we see in this movie all, you know, for yeah. lack of a better term, come out relatively out, unscathed. Right? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, there was a little. There's there was less death that usually happens in these kinds of films, right? Like mm-hmm. the the we only have two real casualties, right? We have we have the, we have you know Father Gabriel's previous you know thing he's dealing with, and mm-hmm. we have the pig. Well, the construction workers got blown up. Yeah, but he got in the ambulance, and they were and like he was burnt, so we don't know if he made it or not. But okay. yeah, but confirmed kills. Oh, the pig definitely pig. died. Well, yeah, oh, hundred hundred percent. Well, this the, but the the list. The, Would you eat the roster here wasn't pig? huge? Yeah, no. why not? 
Huh. I don't really think I can be possessed through me. Both of you immediately answered completely differently, and now I'm confused. <laughs> Chris is like um, absolutely not crazy. It's like, yeah, fuck it, I don't care. I'm I'm kind of into this into this kind of like lore shit, and uh, I ain't eating the previously possessed meat of the pig. No, so, no. Something I will say is I've always been like into this whole. Like I always want to be put in this situation. I don't know to why. Have to eat a possessed pig? No, 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 no. Is this no, a no. weird no, fetish? No, 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 no. I want to be at a. I, I, I want to be in a in a an abbey when something like this happens because I just, dude, no, ew, <laughs> that's the worst fucking idea I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> and, and I'm volunteering for it. Yeah, I, I just would. I mean, I've okay, well, okay. Would you rather, and you have to choose one, be in be in a scenario with a slasher and I'm not talking scream. I'm talking Michael Myers, um, be in a scenario with a slasher or a scenario with a demon, like a flesh and blood. No, it's gonna, no, I, I, I am talking scream. So a, a scenario with a flesh and blood killer or a demon, who do you want to tangle with scream every time? Cause you can kill the guy. I mean, technically, look, listen, I want to tell you right now, I could have killed that little kid. <laughs> Oh, are we going the Grayson can beat up Megan type story here? No. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it came down to me killing that kid possessed by a demon, it is, hey, stuff happens, bruv. <laughs> yeah, but what happens I mean, when... So, why, So okay, so that that that's, that was on my mind the whole time. So, usually in, in a movie like this, there's a reason why they can't just... The movies always present, whether it's stupid or interesting, a reason why they can't just leave. The reason why they couldn't just say, you know what, we, we tried, burn the abbey down, was because the son, for some reason, couldn't leave the grounds of the abbey without the devil or without the, the demon just completely destroying his body and killing him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that, so they had to excise the demon to save the child. Yes. So that, 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 was the, that was kind of the, the, the gatekeep here was why they couldn't just, why Father Marin couldn't, or not Father Marin, I called him from the extras, why Father uh, Amorth couldn't be like, you know what, we tried, burn this place, burn, burn to the ground. Yeah, or he's yeah. just like, so uh, I'm going to go. We tried. And uh, <laughs> yeah. best luck to you, sorry about your loss, or soon to be lost, I'm so sorry, and then leaves. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, like, you know, saving the child is, of course, virtuous, which again, if you have faith and you're a man of God, you probably have to, you have to, you know, face this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And also on top of that, like the simple solutions of, well, why don't you just leave? Well, you know, it, it doesn't solve the issue. It just puts it onto the next person or puts it down the road. It kicks that can. Or you don't know if given the time to fully corrupt a fully innocent soul, what that what damage that demon can do otherwise. Yep. So there's a lot of reasons why you have to play this out, you know, in, in the eyes of our characters. That's, and also, that's Megan would totally destroy you. 100%. Yeah, but you don't think you don't think the king of hell would destroy you? Dude, I shot him in his face 30 seconds after I met him. So, what happens there is is that now you have you you have killed thy fellow man and you have opened yourself up to sin and you just become the next vessel, which is cool. Hey, you know what I mean? Look, you'll, you'll go out with a bang, literally. That's right, party. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if Russell Crowe held his hands behind Remember what the mom did when the sister's like, "What's in your hand, mommy?" Yeah, what's in your hand, mom? <laughs> Father Emworth walks in the. He walks in holding a gun, and he just like his hands behind. We're in his first interaction with the demon, and the first time the kid speaks to him, he just shoots him in the head, and then <laughs> shoots him. <laughs> Sorry, it's a demon. I had I had to kill him. I had to kill him. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, um, no. So I guess so. Also, we are going to bill you for this. <laughs> so so the answer to my own question, and I was really hoping because there's a moment where I thought we were going to get this was, again, it's. We, the story didn't quite with especially with his involvement in the war and the his involvement with the Parisians in the war was 
fighting the Nazi. Like that didn't go quite like I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. However, the the mentally disturbed girl that he that he could not save. Chris, if you'll notice, I, I know you're a big fan of Constantine and when Yeah. When um I the think blood, it's, the, yeah, the blood forming the angel yeah. wings. Yeah. I thought yep, they were 100%. I thought they were gonna do more of that. And as a matter of fact, when they did that, because we got that before we go we go down in the in the back of the catacombs with Father True. Amorth's character. And I thought when you saw the light come through and the 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 thing come up through in the water, I was like, Well, this yeah. is it. Here's the moment where he's gonna be confronted by the, the here's the moment where he's gonna have to do something to redeem this poor gore poor girl's soul and maybe sacrifice his own or just it's a very emotional moment we, we didn't get it and i don't know how no. i'm a little kind of mystified how they didn't see that as the moment where the movie really could have had a moment or two of absolute emotional pace which people would have remembered now well we just didn't I drive think, with the story but yeah i thought that would have been a more interesting because sitting i mean you have literal in the same room heaven and hell and i thought that well that's kind of interesting dichotomy to play with for a minute or two well, I think it goes along with the with the phrases that God is not here. Yeah, but he is, that the thing is like we never we will never believe that as a viewer. Like we know God is there. We know that so never it was never a that's why I don't like that's what I kind of like have a hard time with in the writing is of course mm-hmm. God's there. Like what what the, the demon's trying to deceive you, but it, if you're not deceived then the demon's power should be waning, shouldn't it? It should be going down, not constant. Well, Deception isn't de- deception isn't their only tool. They, they they do have their other their other things that they you know that they have to use to either win, defeat, or to overcome what you you know what we bring to the table. So it's there's more happening there, and also like there there is no God there. That was the whole point of what the Pope read. You know, they the letter he read was that you know that they have lost that ground that, that, you know, that there is nothing left there. Like they said that, and that is true. Cause just like there's consecrated and, 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 ho- and hollowed ground, there is the opposite of that. Like there are places that are, that are so evil that, that you know, place no, have been deconsecrated. no light can touch it. It, it. That's like, you know, that's a whole, a part of like that whole belief, that whole system. I wish they would have done more with that though. Because they, I mean, they could have well, so 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 that's a more interesting intellectual side of movie. But I don't think it's as it, I don't think the movie is as fun as a simplistic. Then at that point, I think the movie itself, the writing had a goal, and I think they you know they had they wanted to get to point C, and they do a good job of using A and B to get there. I think that it, like the things that that we're bringing up now at this point go a little past what this movie wanted to do and like what its right, point yeah, was. Yeah, of course. You, you can have that deeper film that has more of these rules in place and dives more into the supernatural side of it and like the reasons why, but then it becomes more of like this, this, you know, this psychological thriller kind of thing that, you know, involves the, like this, like these rules in this, this world. Instead, we got this, you know, this small mystery kind of thing mm-hmm. that had a lot of a, a, a very good play on characters you know, with a, you know, with a very simple set design and some some cool lore to back it up. You know what I mean? Whereas all the action that happens on screen happens right in front of you the entire time. And I think that was the goal of this film. And they accomplished that, I think. Okay, fair. So would you consider mm-hmm. this movie to be, as it is right now, would you consider mm-hmm. the Pope's Exorcist to be a success, a good investment for the studio? Yes, 100%. What, do we what do was know the, what, the budget? Do we know? Budget on this? Yeah, I don't know. Hang on, give me a second. It couldn't have been that Yeah, much. he'll get it, he'll get it. Yeah, well, like I said, well, like I said uh, we don't have very many sets, right? So... 
I do think that this movie, you know, I mean, this is probably what, like one twenty fifth of a Netflix budget. How much money likely? is this made so far? Probably not much, just because of the, the, these kinds of movies don't make a ton of money usually, unless there's a big name backing it up. So this is well, it's, it's already on six through ten. So Pope's Exorcist uh, is number seven so far. It's made fifty two worldwide. Budget was only eighteen million. That's a right. that, that's that's a win then. But I expect so, I would expect the number to be a little higher. We're getting a second one. I don't. Hell yeah! I don't know if we. Do you really think Russell Crowe is going to do another one of these? I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have to. Open. Hold on, he doesn't have to. Well, I mean, you kind of. Well, no, 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 no. They made it a point at the very end of this film to say that that's more than a lifetime's work for one man. Because 199 sites, he said. But for two men splitting up the work, that's doable. So they're going to be in different places. Him and him and Father Tom. So if we do get a second movie, if Russell Crowe doesn't want to do it, they have Father Tom on his own, you know, on his own doing this. Uh, but then you lose hey, the name. I'm not wrong. No, I'm you're not okay. wrong though. Fine. In theory, you're not wrong. But without the name okay. Russell Crowe, without Russell Crowe's name, this movie right now is sitting at 21 million in the box office. Okay, that's it, still. I mean, honestly, if that, yeah. But here's no, the thing: the movie also cool. costs millions of dollars less. Mm-hmm. I don't think Russell Crowe is commanding a five or ten million dollar but uh, payout on you anymore. I think he's probably more a little less than that. Mm. But I mean, I look. I, I don't know that. I don't know what I just said could be very wrong. I just I'm just guessing that he's not. He's not nearly as he was in the back in the day. But his name being the only one on this, sure, may, maybe he did get five for this. I couldn't tell you, but I would imagine he did get a substantial fee, but not ten or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Not like other Hollywood hit, 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 hitters are getting. Um, but I don't. I just don't see. Do you? Uh, well, do you don't? Do you not consider this story? You're like, okay, we're close with this story. We can move on from the Pope's Exorcist. Well, so here's the thing. I'd like to. I'd like to see if there was a sequel, and we'll talk about this right before we score it because it's about time to wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. Um, if they went a different direction with not necessarily like a demon as strong as him, but like some kind of like variation of something we have never seen before, I think that could be an interesting turn. You know, we've yeah. already seen a, an Abbey be corrupted, and apparently there's almost 200 other sites like this, places to attack. So who knows what kind of things they could run into. Yeah, and don't forget, there's, you know, not only does, like, like the demon that you're up against and how powerful it is matters, but the person that's being corrupted matters. The more pure the person that gets corrupted, the more powerful the demon becomes. There's a lot of things at play here that make, that make or, like, where they're corrupted at, you know, like, like what the location is. There's a lot of things that play into, like, how difficult this is for the next, like, the next thing they have to deal with. I agree. There's a lot that. that plays into that. And one more question I'll ask before we start scoring it, Chris. And again, this is mainly aimed at you. Do you prefer medieval Europe setting for this, or you know anything contemporary? Which is, you know, I consider the 80s to be the 1980s to be our time now. Do you consider med- medieval Europe setting or a now setting? Oh, I, I, I think I think I can take the cop out answer, and, and any place can work for what what they're doing here. Time, any time. And any loc- any location, there's always like these epicenters for this kind of thing, like you know, within like its own like mythology, and there's always going to be sin no matter what time, no matter what time frame you look at. So you know, things that make people do the things they do. Agreed. I think anything works here. I happen to prefer the mid the medieval Europe because I I think it's it's more mm-hmm. desperate um, than and we don't get enough movies with we really don't get enough movies with um, that kind of that premise. Medieval time and 
the battle between angels and demons. I don't think we get enough of that content. Not that someone might argue and say, no, we got um, Season of the Witch. We got plenty of content. <laughs> but I, I, I think a movie like that is horrendously underrated. However, I think, I used to think it was really, like when in the end of that film, when the when the devil starts talking and like, mm-hmm. that, you have no idea how, how much that book has bothered me over the centuries. Like he said, he doesn't sound like he has, his accent is kicking in hard yeah. at that point. Uh, yeah. It's it's not as silly as I thought the demon talking in this one. Now maybe that's just could be completely biased on my part. Maybe you guys don't agree, but I, I just I really had a hard time with the demon in this movie talking. It just it just takes all seriousness of the movie almost completely away. Or is that just okay. me? Is that just me wanting way too much out of this movie? I think it may be you, but I think it's for like different reasons. So like it's you know they're not. Again, it's all about deception and trickery, and it's about the, it's about the like the wildly inappropriate for like like what's happening here. So the fact that you know it all kind of feels off or feels ridiculous or feels out of place that does kind of lend into like everything that's happening you know around because like you want your faith to be shaken. So it's like you know what like this doesn't even sound real. You're not really possessed. You know, or like all these other things, it all plays into that, in my opinion. So Bring in the whether pig. it's on purpose or not, yeah, <laughs> whether it's on purpose or not is one thing. But like, I, I think that you know, it it is what it is. You, it, there's there's right ways, wrong ways to do this. There's better ways and worse ways. But I think in this term and this film, I think everything's fine. You know, it it didn't pull me out of the film anyway. Oh, it didn't pull me out. I just and 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 I like now that I've learned Ralph Innocent did it. I'm even I, I'm kind of more jazzed about it because I like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. I would have preferred less of the less of the devil to, or less of the the demon talking than we got. But again, yeah, that's yeah. just it's just me just wanting everything to be like gunning exactly for, you want it gunning for Oscar noms. You know, I was, there was a time when I was a teenager, like why doesn't everyone make a movie to win Oscars? Why why does people not just pour their heart and soul into making the best movie they can to win an Oscar? But then the answer I, a couple of years because not, not every movie's made for that reason. So I mean that's you know. But Roger, any final thoughts before we start scoring this? Nope. Rock and roll. Yeah, I think we're good to go. All right. Who wants to go first? You guys want me to go first? I'll do it. I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Okay. These usually aren't my cup of tea. And um, so funny thing is, I didn't hate this movie. So um, listen. It's not the best thing that I've ever seen, obviously, and I'm not going to heap on a bunch of cinematic praise here, but I think this movie is very watchable. Um, it's not jump scare garbage, which, you know, it definitely could have been that. And it's funny that I, you know, I repeat those phrases, jump scare garbage, because a lot of movies we get in the horror genre just are. Um, I think this movie tells a decent story with a couple of interesting characters, a small cast, a tight runtime. And a slightly above average movie. So I'm going to give this movie a 5.5. Um, I would recommend most people, if you're into scary movies, would probably like this. It's a little bit more well done or a little bit better of a feature than some of the stuff we've gotten recently. So I think some people would like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I'll go second here. The, um, the movie itself does do a good job telling the story it wants to tell. It's, you know, it's not overly complicated. It isn't, doesn't get super complex. The hook's kind of neat with like, you know, why all the things are happening that we have and what happened before. I do like the, um, the lore hits here that we do get kind of like find out who the demon is, is very interesting and kind of like sets the, you know, it kind of sets the level of, 
of danger that everyone's in and what, like what's going on. And I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Russell Crowe kills it. Like I think he's without him, this movie is far worse. I think I agree with that. And it's just, it's not for anyone's fault, but the fact that Russell Crowe is so, is so goddamn good when he wants to be still. So I think, you know, movie's great. It's it was movie's fine. It's not something spectacular, but it's not bad by any means. This is a six for me. I like this film. I'm going to go, I'm very similar to you guys. I gave it a, I just wanted a straight five. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know what I was expecting going into this. I know that Russell Crowe was in it. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's called the Pope's Exorcist. I saw the trailer. I didn't, this one of those movies I didn't really have a preconceived notion going into it because I just didn't know what to expect because I thought this stuff was below Russell Crowe, but maybe not. But then again, if you now, now all jokes aside, if you think about unhinged, you know, the, the, the first movie back in theaters after COVID is that movie it may have been laughable. It may have been silly, but it also wasn't bad. You know, it's one of those movies. No, that it, it kind of, okay. it kind of works if you just, kind of accept it for what it is and i i think that's the same way to look at the pope's exorcist it just it's very watchable again you're not gonna if you're standing in front of the of the cashier and you're like ah, you know what am i gonna watch you know what tonight's gonna be the pope's exorcist like you really have to want like that's a movie that if you didn't really want to watch it you wouldn't so people in there probably want to be in the theater or people in that auditorium probably want to be in that auditorium so if you mm-hmm. like it, you like it, and if you don't like the angels, demon stuff, you're probably not gonna have any interest in this. It just you just won't. But nope. I think it's a very watchable five. If that's you know yeah. saying anything, I think it's you know it's 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 fun. It's I, I mean I I don't see myself watching this you know five times in a year or anything. But you know once every other year wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing. It's just you know sit down, do something, eat some you know write a paper, eat some eat some meals, whatever while you're watching it. Yeah, it's a very for watchable a, five for a movie like this. The barometer for me is it could have been way worse. Oh yeah, hell yeah, it could have. Like, been. like you know what I mean? Like we've seen that movie, right? Like this movie could have been much worse. What did this we, could have been the nun? What did we just watch with? It wasn't too long ago with the nun in. You know they also went I know in, one, in the death. Pray for the, the devil. Yeah. Pray for the okay. Yeah, that one. That one yeah. was a lot worse, wasn't it? Yes, worse than this. Yes. Yeah, and even it was very similar too in the way they they kind of hit all the same beats. You know, it was in it was it was it was in a holy place. They went down to it was in Vatican, wasn't it? It was in no, Vatican, was, yeah. no, no, no. It wasn't in Vatican. It was in uh, Massachusetts. Was it a school or something? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was, it, yeah, it was in it was the school of school for exorcism. Or right, something. right. And then in, and then they went they they found in the bottom of the exorcism there was that holy water that yeah okay it, it kind of hit all the same beats that one did. Except this one just. Maybe the, maybe all the difference is this one had Russell Crowe, and that's really what mattered because yes, I mean, they each mm-hmm. had their scary points, they each had their selling points, but Russell Crowe sold it. So, uh, yeah, I th- it's a very watchable five. <laughs> this is a long-winded yep. way of saying. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we all kind of agreed on that one. I was, I I I, I expected a seven. Actually, think thinking back now, maybe I expected a movie to be a little higher quality than what we got, but maybe. I'm not disappointed. I, guess. I expect this movie to do dog shit. So five point yeah. five. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, it, it it passes our our credo. We just hope it doesn't suck, and this one doesn't suck. It's so not. it's a win for this week at least. All right, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me for this episode again. This has been episode three hundred twenty-seven A of For the Love of Cinema, a hey. movie podcast. Thank you. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. 
And I am Christopher Bond. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week we're taking a look at Guy Ritchie's The Covenant and Ghosted from Apple TV Plus, which has two very ugly people as the stars. Chris Hems or Chris Evans and Anna Armas. I would pay good this money movie. to watch them bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, well, this movie has boobs in it. Boobies? Be, like B-E-W-S, boobs. B-E-W-B-S, yeah, boobs. Wow, what a way to end an episode. Wow. All right. <laughs>